Okay, well, good morning again. And I wish to say good morning to those of you online. I invite you every time that I look at the camera that uh, you should be here fellowshipping with us. We look forward to that. Well, you know, this is the second Sunday of Advent. And Advent is a season, it's, it's a time of joyful awareness, of anticipation, and preparation for what is to come. And I think our song said really gave us a good anticipatory view of what was coming, of what we would be celebrating. And so this morning, it's in preparation. My sermon title is, Mary Had a Little Lamb, the Lamb of God. And my text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 35, and it reads, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen? And of course, with your handouts, you have the sermon outline for your easy reference. And welcome, Vinny, to Psalm 19:14, as I always do. And so this morning, dear Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, a little child was listening to a CD when her father came into the room. And he watched as she pranced around and she was singing. She was singing a little nursery rhyme. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. And it followed her to school one one day, which was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. And when that CD was finished, that little girl looked up at her daddy and said with an almost divine look in her face, she said, Mary had a little lamb, the Lamb of God. This nursery rhyme is the summary of this sermon. You know, many times you have great truths that seem to flow out of children's mouths. And Many of you have heard, obviously have heard this nursery rhyme in the course of your lifetime. And I'm sure that many of you were saying it in your mind as I was saying it to you. And I believe after I'm done with this sermon that each time you hear that nursery rhyme, you're going to think of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so beginning first in your outline, consider that Mary had a little lamb. So I want you to look first of all at Mary. Why did God use a woman through whom God the Son would be born? If God had the power to create the planets, if he could drip from the end of his fingers great seas and oceans, if he had the power to scoop up from the mountains great caverns, if he could reach up into the infinitudes of glory and carve out a span, a canopy of space that to this day man has not fully seen, then why? Why could God not be willing to simply send down from the kingdom of heaven a Savior? A Savior to walk on this earth to do a mission, 
Walking along one day, for example, he could have come from the seashore. Someone could have been watching out into the ocean and saw him rise and walk across the water and see him rising and walk to the shores of time. That could have happened. He was the Son of God. Or like John the Baptist, he could have come out of the desert, declared that he had been born in the desert and that he himself was the Son of God. Or he could have instantaneously dropped from down from the glory of heaven and he indicated that he had come to save humanity. None of that happened. God chose to use a virgin to conceive in her by the Holy Spirit the only begotten Son of God, one who had a heavenly father and an earthly mother, one who was as much God as though he were not man, and as much man as though he were not God, a God-man. How marvelous that the same vehicle that was used to bring sin into the world, God used to bring salvation into this world. You remember that it was through the person of a woman, the woman Eve, that temptation came, and as a result, sin came. And this tells us, That God is not a God to be defeated. That God is on the throne, that God is still in control, and that God is still powerful, almighty, dynamic power of glory, an everlasting God who will always be in control. And God then took that same vehicle, a woman, that the devil had beguiled, and he used that to bring sin into the world, and God brought that same model to bring salvation to the world. That's just like God to take an instrument of defeat and turn it into victory. And that's what he did with the cross, didn't he? He took the cross that was an instrument of death and he took it as an instrument of of victory in a symbol of faith. And so today we reverence the fact that that instrument of death became the open gate through which sinners might come believing their way into everlasting life. You know, God has a wonderful way of taking that which seems to be devastation and turning it into victory. God has a wonderful way of taking that too that is used by the devil and using it for the glory of God. Many, many times I have seen, heard, or read of a person who has take, who's been taken by the dredges and depths of sin, and God has reached down and taken that same individual, and after transformation and the work of his grace, he used that individual for the work of his glory. So God taking Mary and using her as the vehicle through which the Son would be born is simply an eternal example of the love that he has for you and me. You know, many people still today will ask, in this world of sin and sorrow, in this world of confusion and consternation, does Jesus really care? And the Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. You know, the infinite God became man, and the Bible says that he was in all points tempted, and yet... He was without sin. Every temptation that you meet, Jesus also met. Everything you have felt, every emotion that has run the gamut of your mind, Jesus himself experienced when he was here on earth. And because he had experienced it, 
He really knows, and we know that he knows us. Jesus felt our pain. He, he knows what it is to weep over the death of a loved one. He knows what it is to lose friendships. He knows everything that you and I know and experience. And therefore, when you bow to pray and get down on our knees before the Lord God, you're not talking to someone that we just have to imagine understands or thinks he understands what we're going through. But we're talking to one that we know, that we feel he does understand. And that's because he has faced what we face. He has endured what we have gone through. And therefore, we know and feel comfortable that he is truly interceding for us at the right hand of God, at the throne of the Father, because he knows what we feel. He knows where we are and what we're experiencing. Now, why did God specifically choose Mary? You know, of all the godly women that have ever lived, and all of those women have sinned, I wonder why God chose Mary. Two things have happened concerning Mary. The Catholic Church has overplayed her. The Protestant churches have underplayed her. And I believe that Mary is a good one to pattern our lives after. Now, I don't know exactly why Mary was called by God, a very young woman, but I see some things that made her the kind of woman that God could use. So consider first in your outline. God used Mary as the mother of Jesus because she was a person of prayer. You know, when the angel spoke to Mary, it appeared that she was praying. Many of you are here today and are saved because of the prayers of a godly mother. Many of you are here today and you have been kept on track as a Christian because you had a mother praying for you. See, God chose Mary because she was a person of prayer. Secondly, God chose Mary because she was a person of power. The Bible teaches us that she was full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible commands us as believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, as a matter of fact, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're either not saved or you are a disobedient child of God. The Bible teaches that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be power. Power to witness, power to serve, and power to live. And the only way to be filled with the Spirit of God is to be emptied of the world, the flesh, and the devil you have to empty yourselves in order to be filled. And the more emptiness you present to God, the more room you have for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible also says that we are to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Every now and then, I need to go back and get on my knees before God and reach up and let the Spirit of God who saved me fill me with the power of with his power and let the power of God give me a new anointing. But what is most important is that our hearts be right with God and that we are open channels through which the Spirit of God can move. That was the kind of person Mary was. Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. Third, Mary was a person of purity. Purity. 
The Bible is quite specific to tell us that Mary was a virgin. Her character was above reproach. Today, if God needed a young virgin girl to give birth to the Son of God, I wonder if many would qualify. If God needed another Joseph to carry out the planning of the early life of Jesus, I wonder if he could depend on you men. What kind of persons are you? Are you a person of purity, or have you been caught up in the fashions of the day? Have you been caught up in all of the perversion and all of the sin of our day? Today, God needs men, women, and young people who will live pure, holy, separated, clean Christian lives. You know, God can use a clay vessel. God can use an elaborate golden jeweled vessel. God can use any kind of vessel, but God will not use a dirty vessel. And fourth in your odd line, Mary was a person of proclamation. Mary was unashamed of the plan of God. The Bible says that she immediately went to tell Elizabeth. And the Bible also says that when she told Elizabeth, who was pregnant and expecting John the Baptist, the child leaped in Elizabeth's womb. In other words, the Bible says the first believer shouted joyfully six months before he was born. You know, there are Christians who have never shouted at all. Mary was excited about what God had done and was doing in her life. The greatest thing that could ever happen to an individual is when the transaction of God's marvelous grace takes place in his life. The greatest story ever told is that Jesus has saved our soul. We ought to be shouting from the housetops that Jesus has saved us. We ought to want to shout from the housetops and tell it from the highest hills or from the roof to roof and door to door. We should want to say that Jesus saves. Mary had a little lamb. And God was able to use Mary because she was a person of prayer, of power, of purity, and a person of proclamation. And second in your outline, consider Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist first saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Do some of you wonder why Jesus is called a lamb? The Bible says that he is the Lamb of God. First, in your outline, consider Jesus was called the Lamb because of his sinless life. Again, in our text, Luke 1.35 states, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, listen, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Some newborn lambs are perfectly white and there's no flaw in them whatsoever. The most beautiful snowflake from heaven is a white newborn lamb. You will recall in the Old Testament, an important day on the Jewish calendar was the Day of Atonement. 
Year after year, the Hebrew people killed a lamb as atonement for their sins. The Lamb of God in the Old Testament had to have three qualifications. It must be male, it must be young, it must be perfect. Now you know why Jesus was male, why he died at 33, and why he was sinless. This is why Jesus was called the Lamb of God. This was God's perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrews began to build their spiritual and physical life around the Lamb. He became the symbol of their dependence, a symbol of their salvation. He represented their approach to God. Well, the blood of the Lamb became their sacrifice, their offering to God. And the skin of the Lamb became their parchments upon which the Word of God was written. And the wool of the Lamb became their clothing. They made their coverings, their tents, from the hair of the lamb. Then you consider the meat of the lamb on the table became their food. Thus we see that Israel made the lamb the center of their spiritual and physical existence. In the same fashion, Christians should build their lives around the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood has made possible our salvation. We're not redeemed by anything other than the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish, without spot. And the Lamb of God is our nourishment, for we feed upon him. You know, Jesus told his disciples that they, would eat, they were to eat his flesh, a pictorial way of describing how we are to simulate him into our lives. You know, the Lamb of God is the Word of God written on Jesus. He is the Word made flesh, and His salvation is our covering. But the Lamb, the Lamb of God had to go to the cross in order to be our Savior. You remember the story of Exodus in the Hebrew home? The night of the Passover was never forgotten on that night. Because Moses had commanded the people to, to slay a lamb and put blood on their doorposts. Every devout Hebrew got busy and obeyed the command. Now you remember that salvation came to the Hebrew house when the lamb was slain. There was no salvation as long as the lamb was running around the house alive. And likewise, it is the death of Jesus that purchases our redemption. Now listen to scriptures. The Bible says, being justified by his blood, we are redeemed by Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrew tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In 1 John, it tells us that it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sins. And of course, John the Baptist stated, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is a little poem I read, I kind of like it. It reads, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain can give the guilty conscience peace nor take away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of name and richer blood than they. Third in your odd line, consider everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. When Jesus was eight years old, 
Mary cradled the blessed Lamb of God in her arms and took him to the temple. The very first place that Mary and Joseph took Jesus was to church. They didn't take him to Grandma's house, but to church, to the temple. You see, they realized that Jesus was not theirs, but God's. And we as parents ought to realize that the children we have, the little lambs which have been entrusted to us, are not ours. They belong to God. We've only been entrusted to them as their guardians until they reach the age of maturity. And we need to realize that they are not ours, and therefore we are to present them to God. Let me ask you, mothers and dads, have you presented that boy, that girl, that precious lamb that God has given you to God? Now also consider that little nursery rhyme says fully, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. The only way you can present your child to God as Mary and Joseph presented Jesus, is to present yourselves to God first. Don't expect your child to be a Christian if you're not a Christian. Don't expect your child to love the Bible if you don't love the Bible. Don't expect your child to live right if you don't live right. And whether you want to or not, we must admit, our little lambs follow us wherever we go. They go where we go. Whatever we love, they love. I think that's an awesome responsibility that we have as parents to make sure that our lives have been given to the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are leading our children toward a life of service for God and a life that will glorify God. And the Bible teaches us that they're going to follow in our footsteps. Let me ask you, mom and dads, if your children followed in your footsteps, where will it lead them? Will it lead to heaven or to hell? Will it lead to a life of useful service for God or a life of rebellion against God? And lastly, considering your outline, number four, he made the children laugh and play. The only thing in the world today that can bring peace of mind and joy to the soul is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. You know, the world offers us good times. The world promises peace and happiness. The world tells us that if we make enough money, we'll have peace. The world tells us that if we achieve a certain amount of success, will be happy. The world's peace and happiness doesn't last, but eternal joy does. You know, the only thing that can make children joyful, the only thing that can make any of God's children joyful is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is joy. He is joy for all eternity. Look at the world about you, you see the tears. Look at the world about you, you hear wars. Look at the world about you, you see the need. Look at the world about you, you see the pain and the heartache and the evil. 
were it not for Jesus, wouldn't it be a bland and worthless world to live in? Thank you, Jesus. You know, he made the children laugh and play. Children can teach us so much about Jesus. You know that children have simple hearts. When they get exposed to Jesus and get an understanding of Jesus, they want to accept him and believe him because they see him as a a fount of joy. And I want you to know, moms and dads, your hearts would break if you could hear the children praying for you sometimes. You know, they go to super church, they get down on their knees, and they begin to pray for mom and daddy, and they pray for that gift of hope. And that's the greatest hope that, greatest gift that there is. You know, listen, that little lamb who can meet the need of your life, the one who can bring joy and peace into your life, the one who can bring happiness into your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It followed her to school one day, which was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see that lamb at school. Do you have that hope in you? Do you know if you died this very moment, you'd go to heaven and be with Jesus for eternity? Amen? Amen. Service is over. Nursery school is closed for the day. May your coming season bring you joy, peace into your lives. Amen?